We can pretty much keep it to five minutes. All we have to do is go, Norman, Rex, <laughs> Winter, Ramona, Leila. We're done. That's it. That's the show. Also, best of men. And that's it. That's everything we need. Right. Um, that's this episode in the can. Thank you for listening to the part of wrestling. Um, good going, guys. Right. Talk to you next week. Merry tale! Mana is the president, and Narvin's loud in his descent, and Leela has wise things to say, and they all live on Gallifrey. Braxy is a garbage man, Castellan Winter needs a hand, and Ace is in the CIA, and they all live on Gallifrey. The shining world of the seven systems. tries to very hard our boy winter our boy winter him who's finally here precious pumpkin everyone's favorite golden retriever puppy i totally thought that was just fanon yeah i like like we get three different references to the dog thing this uh this episode (laughs) although it's mostly Brax gets called a lapdog in this episode. He gets called twice. a lapdog twice, um, but yeah. one of them, Winter, is also implied to be a lapdog. Uh, not implied. Um, from uh, Narvin says, because uh, Narvin is the one who says it most times. Um, the thing that really struck me was that Pandora's alien bodyguard was a Kiloran, a magnificent female. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, according to the uh, archivist, and my brain immediately just went to how yeah. Leela. That's just where it went. Where it went. So it's just like, did they? Surely not. You know, not at this distance. You know, it's like, you know, especially considering my, you know, the massive break between seasons three and four. You know, but I'm sort of like, really. I have looked it up. Is is Hound Brax episode two or three of season four? Uh, It's Annihilation. It was written by Gary Russell and Scott Hancock. There you go. So yes, you are correct, Um, Scar. The dog theme continues. (laughs) But yeah, I do do find it very amusing that we get some of Romana's biggest supporters in all of the show in this episode being called dogs and lap dogs and stuff. And the one person, Leela, who actually sort of gets houndified, hounded, um, is not called anything like that. Yeah. No, she's a lion. We know this. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, speaking of, like, the that one line, that, that one left There's too line, many that um, one lines. I, I know, but the, the, the one where um, Narvin is telling Winter... Because um, he's defending her, and Narvin goes, My, but she trained her lapdog well. Been shoving with Brexit, hell yet. <laughs> I wrote that down Narvin. too. <laughs> okay, but.
does this imply that Narvin and Brax have been been shopping? And where is my fig? I know. Where is the fig? Give me that fig, but also give me the one where Brax does take winter shopping. And oh, also, just just give me get a five times Vic, five times Brax took one of a member of the administration shopping, and, and one, one time, time he didn't. didn't. <laughs> one time, one of them took him shopping. <laughs> I think that last one does have to be Romana takes Brax shopping, but for something extremely dull. Yes, <laughs> she wants his opinion on shoelaces. <laughs> oh, Jane, you are. Yes, shoelaces and precedents. In yes, the same, yeah, I thought of it. In the same sentence, you, <laughs> there, you somebody stole her shoelaces, so she needs new ones. <laughs> but they were very lovely shoelaces, so can you blame them? Before we talk about anything else, because we didn't do it before. Hi, I'm Finn. My pronouns are they them. You can follow me at FinTip on Twitter, and you can follow the podcast at Pod of Rassilon. Joining me today, we have Chris, who uses he, him. Hi, I'm Chris, and you can follow me on Twitter at Medlock Madness and on Tumblr at Medlock Madness. Jane, who uses she, her. Hey there, I'm Jane. You can follow me on Twitter, Tumblr, and AO3 at Jane Tureen. That's J A N E T U R E N N E. Scar, who uses they, them. Hi. I'm Scar, you can follow me on Twitter at Zed underscore Susan. And Void, who also uses they, them. Hi, you can follow me on Tumblr at irving Brechtel and on Twitter at VoidlyThoughts. And today we are talking about a blind eye. No, we're not. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I got the wrong notes. So. episodes than that one, Finn. I think yeah, we're yeah. good at this point. Yeah, we are still talking about the blind eye. Yeah, it's because I got the wrong notes. up. So. Today, we are talking about lies. The episode, not generic lies, although there's a lot of them going on. You can you can tell we're talking about lies because the first speaker is Irving Braxiatel. Indeed. <laughs> oh, very good. If we weren't doing the title scheme thing, I would say that the title of this episode should be Narvin's No Good, Very Bad Day. Yes. <laughs> it's, just, it's just all one day for Narvin, this episode. Because he doesn't yep. sleep. Naplus Narvin. It's just like one whole five complete horrible day. I've had those days. Mm. Not the being possessed days, but the, the no sleep for several days days. It's not fun. A week of insomnia and being insulted by his colleagues. And, you know, getting arrested, technically. For murder. We, we've all been there. Oh, and mind blocked at the end. Painfully so. But the glorious thing for us as listeners is the more tired he gets, the more snarky he gets. <laughs> and it's glorious. Every time I say this on Twitter, Sean insists that he's not snarky. <laughs> Sean, and the, baby. And the very sort of... Uh, I know it's very unlikely that Sean Carlson's actually listening. If you are, Mr. Sean Carlson. <laughs> Hi, we, are, we admire you very much, but also that is an incorrect opinion. <laughs> also, that baby was directed at Norman, not at you, sir. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I'm leaving that in. 
from the beginning of this episode, not on the Narvin topic, for once, for once, not on the Narvin <laughs> topic. Um, are you questioning things again? That whole sequence. Yeah. It's so good. I I love the whole academy sequence. No, you. We're both going to get into trouble with this episode, Scott. Because <laughs> there's Matrix doors with Time Ladies behind them. And there's Academy Era stuff. <laughs> yes, I want to bring up a certain someone. <laughs> I feel like this is the closest to your, your, the episode where you can be forgiven for it. So yeah, there you go. You're you're have you're you've been absolved for this episode. Yes. Say the s word. With that, yeah, with that whole um, first uh, academy scene. Yeah, what's interesting is that there's this whole narrative of you know Romana never has friends she never had friends at the academy but Big Finish has written three separate academy friends for her well two separate groups you know there was the the ones the ones she ones she forgot in uh, Neverland Zagreus um and Sartia so technically she actually had a friend group um <laughs> <laughs> We all know Sartia didn't didn't ever share in any world with Rorv Terrace and Rorvin, is that their names? Yeah. Yeah. Sartia Caradinora, by the way. We have a full name for her. <laughs> yes. And um I feel like Romana's whole thing of throwing the exams to make the other kids like her. Although this is all, you know. In, an in-universe thing uh, applied retroactively because Sartia definitely did not exist at this point but I can definitely imagine Sartia like managing to suggest that without making it sound like it's her idea especially because I think there's a line in in a sleep or or one of those two episodes um, where Amana mentions that she graduated early and if these are her graduation exams um, that presumably means that most of the class isn't actually going to be graduating in there and she's getting to take the exams early because, you know, she's super special. So. But, but we, so, there's something in this episode that's weird about the timeline, right? She says in that prequel bit that the exams are next week, I think. But then when she's recapping it later to Leela, she said, I met Pandora a year before I graduated. So either she did fail the exams the first time, or there's a really long gap. It, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be final exams, though. It exactly, could just be yeah. exams. Brax kind of implies they're her final exams, right? He says she's going to graduate, take next week's exams, and graduate to a very high place in society. So that's uh, you. It could. I think that, like, that's a reading of it. it that that's that's not how I've interpreted it. I think yeah. there's sort of more to me. I've interpreted it as like midterm exams. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I get as well. Is that he's kind of like, come on, just like go back to class, kind of thing. Um, or, yeah, like... or as I got the same impression of it's the final exams and like it's he's he's trying not to get her to throw away things at the last moment. Yeah. I mean, either way, the implications of this scene, as, like, an opener especially, like, they're really far-reaching because this is the first point in the show that 
you know, this is where it all starts to really build. Like, you've had season one, you've had the, the, the scene setting of the show, you've had, like, a couple of, like, points laid. This is the bit where things get really serious. Um, like, this is the point where it's kind of like, okay, well, you've had some crumbs, here's, like, the big bits. Um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on in the background. And this is where the whole free time thing was going. Mm-hmm. But also just the, the, the character interactions in that bit. They're so good. This whole episode. Yeah. It's such a funny episode. Considering how serious it is. Like, there's so many good like little lines in it that yeah. just make you laugh. The canine banter is always so very good. Mm. I, I was just, just, just the, um... The exchange between when Leela and K9 are, are walking through the vaults, just, you know, all of that's just amazing. When when Leela's trying to sort of ask him, she actually asks him, you know, whether he's happy. And, mm. and K9's utter sort of, you know, breathless astonishment. Is is wonderful. It's just like query. <laughs> well, I mean, what? she apologizes for interrupting him later on because he's a real person, right? Yeah. Like, and and yeah, it's just all that mysteries. Just it, it really, like you say, Finn, it really establishes him as a, a real character, as a not just a robot dog. You know, he has a personality. But the uh, the running gag of ignoring K nine. Is, uh, is one of my yes. favourite comedy comedic things from the whole series, I think. Especially um, the you, sh- you should not be afraid of your feelings uh, thing from Lila <laughs> if you can move on from the emotional support session from Romana. Yeah. So there's, there's a bit of a thing here um, with the whole everyone ignoring K9 when he's trying to tell them something or just them just not asking him. And I I kind of think the the writers in this episode I think there's a Douglas Adams thing going on, um, because there's there's a bit where um, Romana enters the vaults and Winter says, "Lady President over here," and 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 I and I cannot believe they didn't take the chance to have Romana say, "No, Lady President over here in your castle and Winter," uh, which is a big which is a hitchhiker's gag, but the whole. K9 not being listened to or not being asked um, is a straight lift from Hitchhikers uh, because that's a big thing with Marvin, the paranoid android. Something cataclysmic happens and Marvin says, I knew. And they go, well, why the planet of hell didn't you tell us? And he just goes, you didn't ask. So I definitely think there's, there's loads of Douglas Adams sort of little nods in here, which are a lot of fun. I think one of the things that's so good about this episode is that you get tons of different characters getting a chance to interact with each other. In a lot of the episodes, even in season one, they're still trying to move away from the who structure, I think, and you sort of have an A plot and a B plot a lot of the time, so you have the same characters grouped together for long parts of the episode. Um, so... Leela and Narvin are off at the summit, 
Romana and Brax are doing diplomatic things elsewhere, right? They're separate until they come together for the big finale, right? Almost said big finish. Um, <laughs> whereas in this episode, I don't know if you have two scenes that are the same two characters again, other than the big Pandora bit, right? Maybe you have multiple canines and Leela's, but you have, like, Andred gets a Romana scene, Andred gets a Narvin scene, Andred gets an Archivist scene, terribly, Andred gets a Darkle scene, scene, yeah. right? But it's, you don't get really locked popular. into... It's really you popular do. for a prisoner. <laughs> You, you do get, um, there are two Romana and Brex scenes. Okay. Uh, you have the one at the beginning where she's talking about, like, you know, him appointing right, himself right. Chancellor, and then the one at the very end where they sort of... But they do have callbacks in the second one to the first one, and I believe that these two conversations are probably the part of Gallifrey I have listened to the most times. <laughs> I have a but lot yeah, of feelings being... about that first conversation. Um as I mentioned at the end of last week's episode. But yeah, go on, Jane. Yes, go on. No, just point being, there's a ton of diversity in which characters get to interact with each other. Um, Winter gets a lot to interact with a lot of different people. Like, lots of people get to interact with lots of people, other than Leela. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's just a chance for a lot of dynamics to shine. Yeah, it's great, but it also makes it a lot more kind of like, well, who let Andrew out? Um... Like, it could have been a whole bunch of people. Who was it? Um, you know, it lends suspicion to Winter, it lends suspicion to Darkle, it lends suspicion to Narvin. Like, it's all kind of like, you know, if you sit there and really think about it, you can figure it out. But, like... Well, yeah, because he begs almost all of them to sort of, like, spring me from this jail and let yeah. me escape and let me yeah. leave Gallifrey. Yeah, yeah. He says that to lo- many of them. Yeah. Like, you know, was it Romana? Like, it... I mean, obviously we know, but, like, it's... The options are there, and for a first listen, it is very much a kind of, like, shit, it could have been any of them. Mm. God, he's awful, though. Ah, he's the worst. Yeah. Like, I know know, he's awful, but, like, it really reinforces it so much. Sorry, go on, Void. Um, I have two things, but, um, the one that's relevant here is... He has that line where he's saying, like, Torvald is all gone, and then... A moment later, he is mm-hmm. saying xenophobic stuff again, and and yep. you're just like, so so that was just you all along then, Andred. Okay, mm-hmm. right. Um, that doesn't look good for you. It's not a good yeah, look. Good yeah, because like when when Leela says that like he is dead, that's what she means is that like the Andred that she knew, he's not there anymore. His if he ever was at all. Um, so. yeah, that's the one. Um, yeah, his views have changed as well as what she says. That that's what I don't get about um Andred here though. Like what are his motivations? Because, you know, he start he started off um as what what he did with Torvald was he basically started infiltrating a far right extremist hate group and he was you know, involved with Free Time, and Free Time's whole deal is that they want to destroy the monopoly of time that the Gallifreyans have created. And, you know, we later learn that... I won't mention what their actual plot was, because spoilers, but, you know, they they are, you know, the side of the aliens against um, Time Lords. 
Um, but then he's also really against Romana, and he's against specifically Romana's open Gallifrey thing, and he mocks her academy initiative and, and everything. He needs to be against everything she stands for, which, like, you know, she's she's comparatively very left-wing to the rest of Gallifrey, and, and he's spouting all this xenophobic stuff, and, like, I don't get what whether he's whether he's um you know being fueled by like he went in too deep into the whole xenophobic Torvald thing and and is now genuinely um working for those views or if he's still for free time but Romana isn't radical enough for him I I don't I don't I still don't really get what his deal is in this episode I mean I I read the whole xenophobia Thing. I don't believe him when he says like, "Oh yeah, you know, all traces of Torvald are gone." You know, I'm thinking. I think there is still that. You know, he's gone too deep cover, um, thing and sort of you know bought his own cover in some ways. Um, so I think that's definitely a thing. Um, whether we want to tie it into the whole aliens are awful except for my wife thing, that's also possible. Um, but yeah, I do agree that it's there's a disconnect there. I I I think I want to make sort of I want to point out here that I mean, Torvald was Torvald, um, very anti-Romana, very xenophobic, very sort of um, Gallifrey should be closed off. Uh, that was sort of his whole deal, and I mean he was definitely part of free time probably one of the founding members um so while that's not like the the free time ideal we sort of get presented with in sort of overall especially not in in weapon of choice there's still definitely room for that mentality within free time so i do think you know I think Endred could still be affiliated with that and have those views. I I don't think they're mutually exclusive because we have seen that they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I think for me, it's kind of like he's lashing out, right? He's pissed off. He got caught out. Um, everything's gone wrong. Leela's told him to go stuff it. Um, and... Romana's stolen his wife. Yeah, like, like he's he's in prison, right? He's a cop in prison and he doesn't like it. And he's got none of the power and the influence that he's used to having as a guard commander. And he's lashing out. He bellows at his guard before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, I used to be your boss. And, like, you know, he doesn't care that this person who he was the boss of appears to have been, like, not not, not stunned, killed. You know, it's he doesn't give a shit because he's a shitty person. And whoever it was that Leela married for whatever reason, I think she's very right in her estimation that he's not the same person now and it's not just that he's regenerated and he's got a different face or whatever and that's the way that everybody else kind of like plays it is kind of like oh he's the same person underneath he's just changed a little bit and Leela's like no he is a different person and that's why she didn't recognize him as Torvald as well because he is fundamentally not the same person anymore whether he ever was I don't know I trust Leela's instincts but yeah he's trash yeah I mean... yeah TLDR Andrew's a nightmare <laughs> He straight up murders someone. Like, mm. he, you know, he has that line where he's talking to whoever frees him. Mm. Like, we know who it is, like from later <laughs> stories. But he has that line to whoever frees him, where he is saying that, "Oh, you have a rather cavalier 
um, approach to life and death, my friend, or something along those lines. And then, like, ten minutes later, he kills someone. Entered, my dude. He kills Cantor. Or a friend of Cantor's. Yeah. Not cool. Like, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a big it's deal that they're like, he is dead. It's not like... I don't think he, I don't think that's said. I don't think it's said. That no, it is. They they very much say. Right. He's perma killed. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he must be on his um last regeneration because there's only a single staser shot, and shouldn't he have regenerated? He he. Yeah, he, he says, says he has a few left. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I assume that maybe Torvald had some. I say Torvald. His name is Endred. Yeah. You know what? No one can tell the difference. Not even me. Um, no, Endred had a staser, um, and maybe it was like supercharged or something, um, so well, to hit both hearts at the same time. Yeah, point maybe blank he just range. shot him in the head, like right. Yeah, point blank range. You know, presumably will, that will does kill a, a time lord because we know that um, Torvendred, Tordred, um yeah. He, he told Narvin that he had shot Endred in the head and that was enough for Narvin to believe Endred was dead. So, yeah. a shot to the head should kill a Time Lord. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I believe there's stuff in the Deadly Assassin as well that says if you if you shoot a Time Lord with a staser at close range, you know, like point-blank range, mm. then it will kill them. Yeah, I mean, however it happened, like, the fact is that Andred killed someone in cold blood. He really, really didn't need to. Just kind of because he was in a position to, because he could, because it was an option. Like, there were other things he could have done. He could have kidnapped him, he could have, you know, like... Mind Whatever, I'm sure he's got mind wipe things yeah. and... um, And he chose to do murders. Mm-hmm. Um... Like immediately after being like, I say in my no- in my notes, I'm like, oh look, Andrew being low key racist. I was being sarcastic. It was not low key. Um, like again, he's a dick. Can we have a couple happier notes? Because mm. I'm trash in a totally different way than Andrew is trash. <laughs> Specifically, shipper trash. Because there's two moments in this ep. One is when Andrid says, "Where's Leela?" and Romana immediately goes, so "Sorry." Like <laughs> yeah, she I know. never does that. She it's like Leela mode initiated was not prepared. <laughs> She's completely oh no. disarmed for Blind a moment. Sided. Isn't she? Mm-hmm. Absolutely she is. It's so good. Uh and the other one, let's see. She is my president, and it is my job to ensure that she gets what she wants and needs. I'm just hide under a blanket for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, Jane is literally hiding under a blanket, for the well, record. I mean, if we're talking about sort of Romana Leela stuff, the whole thing later on in the episode with Romana One. Leela is so this is this is the first time Leela discovers that this is not Romana's first incarnation. She does mm-hmm. not know that before before now. So she's quite shocked. For what reason I'm not sure. You know, is it because to Leela Romana looks young? Because we know on all of the on all of the cover art, for example, Romana is portrayed very much as a young Lala. Oh, it's that there's an inconsistency about that, isn't there? <laughs> the hair. The hair length. 
But also in um, under season yeah. four promo ad, they use a current picture of Lala, but for season one, two, three, and for later seasons, they use one from when she was younger. So it's all the stress of season four. She had some Gallifrey and Botox in the meantime. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she did on those alternate Gallifreys. Or she just sucked up Narvin's alternate lives and they oh, gave her- There we oh, go. No. <laughs> Spoilers. No. <laughs> that means what... she can always give them back. It's what they use them for. That's what they were using them for in that in that Gallifrey exactly. anyway. Oh god. That's true. Um That's why that's the specific episode cover that has older Ramana on it, right? There we go. Yes. That's Capitalism grim. Gallifrey. That's so grim. <laughs> we have solved the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really it's really obvious that Le- Leela does not want any other Romana than her Romana. You know, she actually says to Romana once, do not talk to me this way, false Romana. As in, you're not Romana, this is my Romana. And so all of that is quite is quite sort of Adorable in a sense, is the in word some you ways, is really nice. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's really it's, it's really nice, and um, and Romana's sort of dislike for her earlier incarnation. It's like she she doesn't like Romana three either, or you know, or even Trey. There's a thing there where it's just like no, no, yeah, but yeah, but that's really sort of obvious that. Leela doesn't want any other Romana except hers. So two things on that scene. One of them is Pandora, or Romana 1, being Pandora. I don't know if it's really like the after image of Romana 1, like the Matrix impression of Romana 1, or if it's all voice Pandora the whole time. Mm. It's it's implied that Pandora, it's Pandora, I think, to me at least, when, when she has that line where um, you know, she's saying left. like, mm. in fact, I never went away. That implies to me that she just pretended to be. Romana so actually, one. three things. One of them is that Romana Wonadora says says the phrase Tudor Braxiatel, and neither Leela nor Romana reacts to it in any way, even though Romana can't remember that he was her tutor, and Leela never knew, which is really weird to me. Just a continuity error, I guess, but, like, it's weird that they wouldn't mm-hmm. have any reaction. Um, mm-hmm. Two, the Romana and one and Romana two pretending to dislike each other and slinging insults, right, makes me so want to know what Romana three would say thrown into that exchange yeah, of insults and or Trey. That, would be, that um, would be beautiful, but yeah. And what was the third one? It was a Trey thing again. Shocking to everybody. <laughs> I know. Oh, talking about, they say something about in the Matrix, they're the same person, basically, right? Which has huge implications for when we get to Trey, to my girl. And it means Romana knew what Trey was thinking and feeling that whole time, so how does that even work, first of all, with the Trey theoretically keeping things from her, and it's Mm. just because Trey's really good at the Matrix, which is certainly my headcanon, but like... But also, if Romana really does know how Trey is feeling all this time, I certainly believe deep in my soul that Trey has a lot of feelings. So many feelings. So many, 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 many feelings. And if Romana was feeling them the whole time, that 
That's terrible, Ramana Devora Jolander. Okay, um, there you go. This is, I didn't really use that donation the last time, so this is my cheat episode, officially. So now we've both done the thing. There you go. Just a note about the Tudor Brexitel thing. I can come up with one possible sort of solution for why that would be a thing. Right, so we know that Brex has some sort of... Uh, he has a job at the Academy right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I I know it's not Tudor. He doesn't have a title. He's specifically, there's that thing about how he's like, I am the Chancellor of the Academy. And Romana's like, oh, I didn't know about you? that. Oh, <laughs> who made you Chancellor? The President? Oh, wait, no, that's me. Um, but <laughs> I maybe... wish you could see Void's face. I, I think maybe you could make the, make the argument that the Matrix has noted down that Brex is at the Academy, and maybe just Romana and Leela would think, oh, well, it lists Tudor among his titles, and therefore... I know that it is it's a bit far-fetched, but I do think you could sort of say that there's something there. I kind of get that, but... I'd have to go back to listen to the full context because I feel like she says something like Tudor Braxiatel like was good to me or something, right? That she does make it specific. I wrote notes on it somewhere. Uh, there's one where she says Braxiatel was a friend to me, to us, but that's when she's yeah. explaining what's, what's happening with Brax. Yeah, I mean, okay. can anyone really explain what's happening with Brax? <laughs> no, but I sure do have some feelings about things that are happening with Brax. Lord knows I've tried. <laughs> namely, yeah, namely that first sequence with him and Romana, um, which I mentioned last episode and mentioned earlier. But if people have other points on the Tutor Brax topic, I don't want to derail. Just the whole thing with, even whilst I was listening to it, I was like, did Brax, is Brax's personality now, or, you know, the Brax that Brax becomes, is that just a massive reaction to how he was? And, you know, and, and I actually wrote down, did Brax have any, any friends at the Academy? And then he actually says, they had this empathy, you know, because basically Brax was so intelligent that people hated him. So the whole—I mean, it's not just the intelligence thing. He's no. also an ass. He's a manipulative ass. <laughs> but also the specific—the specific adjectives he picks to describe himself: arrogant, hot-headed, and self-assured. Mm. Like arrogant, maybe, but hot-headed. Mm. I, I like... mean, maybe younger Briggs, but that's we, the doctor. We... Younger Briggs yeah. is like he that is as talking well, about bit. himself there, though. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we, we. Maybe he was. Uh, we've never yeah. met a Brex who was in the Academy, so we don't actually know. True. Maybe it's it just, just by his own right. metrics. Like, you know, he's looking back and being like, oh, look at me as a teenager. I was so moody all the time. <laughs> when, you know, he was... When everyone agreed that he was an agreeable young man. Yeah. Um, but there was a thing I wanted to say, and it was about Brex. Um, that's not a rare occurrence. That's basically me, like, 50% of my entire life. Um, it was about him. What were we talking about? Academy Brex. Oh, Academy Brex, yeah. And why the parallels between Romana and Brex are not being liked, and I'm just going to yeah. say it, 
Romana and Rex are both very neurodivergent coded over in general, but that whole thing about like not really getting along with their peers, yes. I mean, we get a lot of, of Romana is neurodivergent. I I want to say she's autistic because like that is the vibe that, you know, we get a lot of things in this specific episode that sort of point to that. Finn has something to say. Yes, on that point, I am autistic. Um, and all of that stuff that they're talking about, about their school experiences, that is exactly what my experience was, um, is the kind of like, everybody hates me because I get what I'm doing because I'm smart. I just get my head down and I do it. Um, you know, the considering the, you know, bombing an exam because it might make people like me more. And you know that it won't, but like that is very much, a, um, you know, like the kind of the icicle ice maiden thing. Like it's very much, a, um, you know, oh, you're an emotionless robot, all of that kind of thing that, that really sort of intentional or not it speaks to me as um an autistic person as someone who is neurodivergent it yeah it very much gives me that vibe yeah completely the same there's the whole um there's the whole grammar thing later as well yeah the figuratively and literally thing you know which is done twice you know so just sort of remind the same do you really mean it, or are you, you know, are you just saying it figuratively? Which is it, you know? Because I'm not sure, uh, and it really pisses me off when, when people say things, say literally, and they don't mean it. Which is it, you know? And this is to K nine, you know. I used to do that until I realised it was like a bit of an ass hatty thing to do to other people. But yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Scar, were you saying something? Yeah, um, just, oh my god, Romana. No, no, no I didn't mean that, Romana, <laughs> sorry. Um. <laughs> I mean, oh my god, Romana is a mood, though. That's... Yeah. Oh yeah, the mood. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Romana has come for, uh, um, pets. Stop being so cute, Romana. I mean, Never. that would also work in a Gallifrey context, but, um... Valid. You yeah. say cute, but she's very full-on tyrant in this episode. Oh, for... yeah, very much so. <laughs> Which, again, cat. Very cat. Cute, maybe more applicable for spirit. Are you sure she just didn't become a feral after spending that much time with them? <laughs> and that's why, you know... Leela and her lions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a never autistic person, I totally agree with the Romana thing. And I remember around the time when I was um, still getting like assessed and diagnosed, uh, there was a Tumblr blog that existed that was called like Autistic Romana or something. I think yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it still exists. They've, yeah. they've just changed yeah, their URL. Uh, yeah, they are. Enders was right now, and that is correct. <laughs> and that one person is the entire reason I started playing Dragon Age. Yeah, and I, I, re I remember um, uh, actually having another classmate uh, like randomly say, "Oh, you're so cold." Like, um, and I would have been offended, but I, uh, I, I thought like, well, at, at least that's like the same experience as Academy Romana. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not autistic, so I'm sort of coming at it from a an outside perspective when I say that. But I do just think like the the whole like not really fitting in with your peers thing. I think that's a very sort of well, a completely universal um, neurodivergent experience. But it is something that a lot of us experience. Very much so. But yeah, no, I, I think Romana is very definitely autistic coded and it is very apparent in this episode. Um, she even has that, like, you know, if it's a thing that people say, like, um, autistic people don't have a sense of humor, which is not true. Um, which is like the biggest, like, yeah, fallacy which, ever. Yeah. But I mean, she does say that, like, oh, my sense of humor, like, I mean, what she says is, I don't have a sense of humor. Uh, apparently I don't have a sense of humour which could be sort of read as like she thinks she does but she absolutely people just does. don't get it yeah right and uh, she does she is very like she has some good funny moments mm -hmm. when she's not being a tyrant I'm not sure if if um, I think that they did it intentionally in that way like coding because it could also be no, like I'm... just the generic because um, sure like writing her as like a you know, sci-fi genius, which um, as a trope yeah. tends yeah. to go into the same tropes as um, autism. So it could, I mean, it when... could, oh, yeah. Well, I think it's possible that um, that that they they did do it intentionally, but I think it's also possible that it was just, um, yeah, writing her as a sci-fi genius thing. But whether it was intentional or not, it's a good. I mean, when I say coding, that to me doesn't imply intention being necessary. Maybe that's that, to my understanding of the word, it's just like this person fits within that. I mean, you know, if you're saying like a character is queer coded, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean it's queer baiting. It just means that they have a lot of, of traits that you would typically see with queer people. And you're like, how did the writers think they were writing a straight character? And very obviously not. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I think maybe I, I associate the word a bit differently than like queer coding. I, I associate it with it being intentional on some level. Like, um yeah, like with queer baiting, with it being part, an intentional part of the subtext. I think there's um that coding becomes tropes, right? They're sort of adjacent. Yeah. Mm. So that it's possible to use a trope in a way that doesn't that isn't necessarily conscious of the coding that may have originally gone with it, right? Yeah. Especially with queer coding, right? Like, if it would, if it started out as queer creators trying to write queer characters in a way that kind of flew under the radar, which we definitely know happened, right, in earlier eras, and then those tropes got taken on by perhaps straight writers who did not read them as queer they just read them as a type that audience would audiences would recognize like some of that gets lost in translation and i think that could very well be the case with autistic coding as well yeah, yeah very definitely. much so um yeah. like you, you you do get the the sort of the genius savant kind of subtype thing that is very especially with um kids and children no, I mean, yeah, Rohan is um, only very technically a child in that scene, but, you know, school setting, it's yeah. 
yeah, you can the whole child genius thing um, is very much a like it is a trope that stems from what people assume autism is, not what it necessarily actually is, but um, you know, a very specific presentation of autism, and then sort of like spirals away from that. And it's very yeah. heavily used in science fiction. Yep. Yeah. Even so, in that, it it makes me think of that Doctor Who episode, um, the Sontaran stratagem. There's a a, yeah. a genius antisocial kid there who's autistic coded. Yeah. I haven't seen that one in forever, so I don't remember it. But yeah. he's like, you know, trying trying to kill the Earth because of eugenics. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's got the thing about correcting people's language and stuff, which is... I really want to go off on a rant on the phrase old soul used of children, and how... Hey, guess what? Children who are too grown up at a young age, that doesn't actually usually suggest anything good. Like, children... Yeah. Children get praised a lot for being far too adult at a young age, and that doesn't actually usually mean that good things are happening in the background. Maybe don't do that. Maybe be worried when kids are too grown up. Yep. End of rant. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of speaking of boys we want to cuddle, Narvan Extralonum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure cuddle is the right word. I would like to cuddle him. No, okay. He has a line in this episode, in addition to all the terrible lines in this episode, that makes me go, this is why we love the boy, right? Um, he has the conversation with Brax, um, and Brax says, I had no idea the doctor would take her away. Out of my presence, my influence, my, and Narvin says, control. Mm-hmm. I was going to say guidance. Of course you were. Yeah. Like, Narv gets it. He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. I love one boy. <laughs> Would you really want to cuddle early season two xenophobe Narvzik? He's I not xenophobic. Far period. from it. Is what he says in this one. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, it's interesting that he puts that much em- emphasis on it, right? He doesn't just say, "I'm not a xenophobe and move on." Yeah. Um. I mean. The thing is, like, in that whole intro scene with Darkle, he knows he is being an ass, right? He knows that the oh, things yeah. he is saying are shitty things, which is a bit of a step from season one, Narvin, who was just kind of, like, really casual about a lot of the stuff he was saying. And he's still saying the shitty stuff, right? That's not, like, you know, let, let's let's not say he's, like, you know, Mr. Perfect or anything. But he knows he's being an ass, and he's saying it to have impact and he's saying it in a very specific situation he's sort of he's separating his dislike of aliens as a threat to gallifrey from oh i hate all aliens because they're aliens it's not the same thing this is my job and these people are a potential like threat vector it's still not good but like there's a definite distinction there Uh, and he's the same with romana as well Mm. whatever his personal view of her is at this point he's still very very loyal to the office of the president and says hey she's my president and i'll do my work efficiently without complaint i think is yeah. i can't exactly remember the exact line but and then he has to take a step back and say well without complaining too much yeah 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 because he knows himself and it's beautiful but he also says to sort of darkles 
shall we say, skullduggery. He's very much, hey, we might not like what she does, but she does it legally. You know, he goes through committees, she sort of does negotiations, and and when the law is changed, it's done through proper process, not, not you coming along and trying to undermine the office. My favourite note from this bit, she'd paint the panopticon cerise. <laughs> a, that's so the colour he goes for. B, we knew it was a Patrix all along. <laughs> That that's his consideration of an outrage is that like <laughs> painting the panopticon bright pink like <laughs> like that's that's his like the worst thing she could do through the high council is paint the panopticon cerise like, oh Marvin also another iconic line yeah yeah it's better than ice warrior green of course the worst thing she could do is um discard the high council and become a tyrant but well yeah. But painting the panopticon pink is up there. <laughs> I think it's worth noting on the like Narvin is starting to separate those two things front, mm. right? That I think it's continued exposure to Leela that's doing it, mm-hmm. right? I think he's so. I think so much of bigotry in general is total lack of exposure, mm. right? Like. You don't know anything about a group of people. You've never interacted with them at all. So it's easy to assume what those people, in big scare quotes, do when you don't know them. Yeah, especially when that's what you've been told your whole life as well. Right. So he's got, at first, he has that emotional, immediate gut association. And I think that part has started to fade. And he's still got the programming after that, the intellectual programming mm. that you just said, right? He's been told this. But that, that emotional kick isn't there for him anymore. And that's how he starts out on this journey to being a better person. And he's doing all that with bloody Pandora pissing with him as well. In his brain, Right? Yeah. One of the things that really sort of struck me about that Narvin Darkle scene is Darkle is racking up debt here with Narvin. Very much overplaying her hand, and she doesn't even seem to realise. Narvin says of Romana, she has a temper and a very long memory. And Mm. Narvin has a long memory as well. (laughs) Nothing, Nothing that Darkle says or does, he is going to forget. And that definitely comes back round as we all know. The Inquisitor is not as clever as she thinks she is. She Inquisits. I'm really sad. Sorry. I'm really mad somebody didn't say that line. What does what an Inquisitor you... do? Inquisits. What do you sorry, do go on, Void. If you're not, yeah. uh, if you're yeah. not, if you're not Inquisiting. <laughs> not Inquisitor, I hardly knew her. <laughs> of course you see I am. Yeah, sorry, go on, boys. Speaking of that conversation between Darkle and, and Narvin, I don't think anyone's ever doubted it, but Darvin. Darvin. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's no. a ship I don't no. want. No, no, no. Hey, hey when, when I. When so I sorry. No, no, no. Cancel the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Final episode. Right, bye, guys. The um, big <laughs> word has been uttered. So, when I first started ty- typing Darkle's name in this, um, in my notes for this episode, I actually wrote the word Dalek. So, hey. 
<laughs> Starving the Dalek. Yeah, what, what is it? Is it Darwin or Darkvin? It's Darwin. Darkvin, Darwin Duck. Darwin, definitely, yeah. Okay, okay. Or Narkel, or Narkel. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking of Narkel. You're such a narc. Narkel's excellent. Okay, Love that. okay. I'm not laughing. I am not laughing. Do not speak the forbidden words. <laughs> Okay, I'm not laughing. Right. I have a thing to say. Right. So, I don't... Th <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying the words, you're thinking the words. <laughs> I was just... Okay. So, I have a note on the... She has a temper and a very long memory mm -hmm. line. Um, that it's a very direct... Um, parallel to the compliment not compliment speech last season, right? It's like the dark parallel of that. Um, it proves that he really does understand her. And also he's totally not unwilling to call her out, like, for the genuinely mm. bad and dangerous parts of her character. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, becomes part of the plot. It, it's, it's the resolution. It's, uh, the only reason they were able to um, that that Romana's plan with Pandora worked is because he knew and could rely upon Narvin telling her when she'd gone too far, when she was pretending to go all Pandora-y um, and then, you know, selling him uh, got Pandora out of his brain. So I don't think anyone's ever doubted whether or not Darkle is, is a very intelligent person, but she very obviously is. And I think in that conversation between her and Narvin, you can you can really see it because she says exactly the right things. Right? She has that line where she talks about, you know, aliens and the Academy, and the way that she tries to appeal to Narvin is by saying, she's shown us all that laws can be changed, and if one law can be changed, so can others. She knows that Narvin is a very, he's, he's a lawful character. Um, the law matters to him so much. And she targets that specifically. And she has that line later on where she is, um, she's talking to Winter and says that Narvin's weakness is his devotion to his office and his planet and his president. Right, she is such a good judge of character. I think um, that ties into the whole. Pandora can only possess real smart people yeah. thing that gets Norvin lots of compliments this episode, including that brilliant little exchange with Brax, uh, the I would never live it down bit. Oh, it's so good. That scene it's is so, so good. good. Yeah, so like, there's a, there are se it's several times said in this episode, Pandora only went for Norvin because he's so clever, and the same applies to Darkle. And also kind of... Is a smear on Winter a little bit <laughs> that she can't get a good hold on Winter because maybe he's just not quite clever enough. <laughs> we love him. We love him very much. Yes. Just like genius is not the first, the first adjective I use for him. He's very brave and very loyal. These are Winter's good qualities. 
he is good and he is charming and I am definitely channeling Maldrix right now. <laughs> Maldrix is Void's character in Dwaitis. And he is in love with Winter. So what you're saying is that we wouldn't have gotten that that Winter scene if he'd been a super genius. With the Dark Owl offering Narvin about the law thing, I was wondering if she was implying something about the mind probes, because um, the mind probe law that Romana brought in has been a point of contention that uh, people bring up um, a, a couple of times in, in season one, mm. and I'm pretty sure it's established that Narvin is annoyed about, particularly annoyed about it, because it's one of the CIA's tools, along with, obviously, the banning of the oubliettes, but hopefully uh, Narvin isn't campaigning for that to come back. I have a vague bit in the back of my head that Narvin doesn't like the oubliette for some reason. I mean, they have a very good reason not to like the oubliette, you know, it it, it meant people... No, were... I know, no, I know, I... yeah, the concept of it, I mean. Yeah. Um... I can't recall him ever saying specifically that he doesn't like it, but I think when he does talk about it, he does seem disdainful. Yeah. Like, yeah. He doesn't seem to like the idea of it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, the, the, there, it has been a long time since I've listened to all of Gallifrey, um, and I can't remember when it comes up, but there is something in the back of my head that's... Uh, Narvin's not his biggest fan. Whereas with the mind probe, at least um, season one, two, the two Narvin thinks that it's um, a useful tool for the CIA. Because, you know, the CIA totally aren't based on any other organisations of a similar name. Hmm. What are you talking about? Oh wait, no, you may not have listened to Have you heard Quantum Possibility Engine? Um, I own it and I haven't listened to it yet. Narvin makes some comments in that about the Earth CIA. <laughs> look, the two of you need to trade. Scar, you listen to Quantum Possibility Engine. <laughs> Finn, you looking, listen to Skin of the Sleep because you've used all time. <laughs> Which, by the way, are the ones that Sartia comes from because we didn't mention that earlier. I feel, like, I feel like I bought Quantum Possibility Engine at a BF day yeah, or a at con. finish day. Yeah, we, um, and I didn't take it with me, so that means I don't have the download. Now that we're done with this wild duck chase. Now I'm hungry for duck. <laughs> I wanted to um, bring up about winter. I mean, I can't fully talk about it because I think I need have listened to the later ones in the series to fully untangle this, but um, just to point out that Winter definitely refers to himself as Arcalian Castellan, um, and he's referred to as a Castellan. So he's definitely not Lord mm. Castellan, he's a chapter Castellan, which is weird because a lot of fanon, I think, um, he often gets called Lord Castellan, and I feel like maybe there was a point later in the series where they referred to him as that, or that, oh, oh no, it's because I think they explicitly referred to Android having replaced Winter, um, Winter's job because he is no longer around to do his job. He's busy. Yeah. Android is Pridonian. So yeah, it, I've, I've always found that as a strange continuity error that Winter is definitely Arcalian Castellan and, and Android definitely replaces him. But everyone seems to think that Android is Pridonian and, I, uh, I, and I'm sure that there is some canon to that effect. But then that brings up was like, was Torvald Arcalian? He wears red, for one thing. Yeah. 
um well yeah like it was torvald arcalian and 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 now like andred has claim to that <laughs> other chapter because he actually changed his matrix record thing yeah yes um that is correct <laughs> torvald is arcadian that sounded a bit like i was saying arcadian there <laughs> no, too. not another one. I can't handle this. I can't handle no. that one as well. He is, he's Arcalian. He is a member of the Arcalian chapter. We learn that from the archivist in the inquiry, where we also hear that Endrin is indeed Pridonian. Um, yeah. And my headcanon for that has always been that when he became Torvald, he changed because he swapped their um, bio data. I, I just kind of assumed that. The Matrix was then like, right, this guy's Arcalian now. And because the Matrix says so, everyone is like, right, okay, that sounds that sounds legit. He's Arcalian. The Matrix says so. Yeah, that's a very Gallifreyan reaction to have. I've totally blown my point. My point is I think there could only there might only be one Castellan at a time, and either it cycles through the chapters. So there is a new Castellan, but this one is the Arcalian Castellan. Or they just make a big-ass deal about the chapter because they're Gallifreyan and they can. Like, right, there's only ever one Castellan at once, but they make a point of mentioning the chapter. I specifically wrote down um, a quote with uh, that, that calls him a Castellan, implying that there are other Castellans currently, and I'm... I feel like that there's also another ref because in this episode they're throwing around a lot of names of characters we never meet to try and you know make the That's the political true. world feel bigger and and like there's all these high council people and they don't just say cardinals I'm sure they also they also refer to other chapter Castellans. Oh, they say Winter Maxwell and the other Castellans. Yeah, yeah. They say so the other Winter Castellan. is training with Maxwell. Yeah, Castellan Maxwell. Castellan Maxwell still has his title. Okay, fair. But also, I never, I never caught the brilliant little joke of Narvin saying something like Castle and Maxwell. Yes, he's subtle. He's subtle. Something like that, <laughs> yeah. which is just so good. Yes, it is. The other way of looking at that is that Maxwell is retired, and that he, he's kept his title as, if you like, as a as an honorary thing, just like presidents. Well, Winter says he's been training with him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's the mention of other Catalans. Yeah. Well, Ma- Maxwell could be retired at that point and just training Winter like the Karate Kid. You know? <laughs> oh my god, Winter catching flies with chopsticks is very good. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the intention probably was for, for him to be a chapter Catalan because because of just how they have all these mentions of other characters we never meet. I feel like they were trying to make the point of, you know, they're only focusing on this these very small amount of characters, but trying to give a sense that the political world of Gallifrey is a lot bigger and there are all these players that we don't see. And also, Winter straight up says he graduated the academy three months ago, which mm-hmm. is a detail I had completely forgotten, because I, I, at why some point so I began about to him. think that um, maybe in fandom we exaggerated how young Winter was, but nope, he literally graduated three months ago. And I know Gallifrey is ridiculous, but I just like to think that um, if he was actually Lord Catalan and was in charge of like the entire Chancellor Guard, Romano would not have given that position to, you know, someone who had just left college. 
it is said that that winter is on the high council and correct me if i'm wrong but in the five doctors isn't the lord castellan the one on the high council so i'm getting one nod right. i'm Yes, yeah, I, I think I you're think right. That's, so could it be that Winter is not only the Arcalian Castellan, he is also Lord Castellan? They also imply in this episode that the High Council is very small. Yes, so, that also. Yeah, there can't be room for all of them. The, the Five Doctors is very much, it, it is very heavily implied that he is the Castellan, that, and that there is only one. And that actually, not only is this is the same guy that was in The Deadly Assassin. There can be only one. <laughs> yeah, um, obviously he is a Kestelan because he is, of course, Kestelan Mind Probe. <laughs> Meets his untimely end in The Five Doctors. No, not the Mind Probe. So speaking of the passage of time and things that have happened in the last few months, Andred says... It's only been six months since the whole Torvald thing. Like... Six uh, weeks. Weeks. Six weeks. No, 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 no. Somebody else says... Leela says... Sorry, two. we're talking about two different Torvald things. Leela says six oh, weeks oh. since the train. Yes. Or K-9 yes. says six weeks. Yes. Andred says six months since Torvald died. Right. Actual Torvald. Yeah. Right? All of this has only taken six months. Ravana and Leela have only been close for six months at this point. Like, how long is a month on Gallifrey? Because... How long is the span? Seems like a lot of stuff's happening. Right. <laughs> Go for it, Scar. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up the the thing that we, we just said about the High Council being really small. That That's a, that's a detail that surprised me on this re-listen, because Brax is definitely already a Cardinal of Pryden, but it's stated in this episode that he's not currently on the High Council. He, he gives, like, that as a reason for him to become Chancellor, so that he'll be on the High Council to, to be Romana's support there, which, yeah, is... I had always gotten the impression in season one that he already was, you know, like a high a high level politician and uh, would be on the high council. But it seems from yeah, all of the the titles and stuff they were throwing around this episode that maybe there's quite a lot, a, uh, quite a few cardinals for each chapter and um, possibly quite a few castellans, but only a select few actually get to sit on the high council. Just just one note about the passage of time. I find the thing you're saying about them not having known each other a long time very interesting because I actually feel like, like, when I have listened to it at this point, I've always been like, they've known each other for six months. That's a long time. I've, I've always felt that, that, you know, like four months was probably what I'd guess. But I mean, it does just to link back to something we were talking about in one of our episodes about A Blind Eye. We don't know how much time passed between the inquiry and a blind eye, but we can do the maths from here and establish that it would be about how do you math? I don't know. Who can do that? It must have been like nearly four months between the inquiry and a blind eye. But we also don't. How long is it between Andred disappearing? That's true. I mean, it right. to me from how. Leela is acting. I think it's it. It can't have been it's that not. long. See again, I'm gonna totally disagree. Everybody's already trying to convince her that he's dead. Like um, you don't do that after a couple weeks. No, I was, I was thinking like a month, maybe. Um, enough uh, that she's I think given of this up. Being 
in my head, it would be at least several months okay. before, like, but it, what you're saying, right, the timeline doesn't fit that. But then, like, there's gotta be some, some time between Torvald's death and Weapon of Choice. Because, like, he has to have settled into the CIA to some degree, right? Yeah. You've got a figure that's not the first thing you do when your lieutenant has had a traumatic regeneration is not send him off to a refuge world. Like, that's fair. Maybe you do, but... I mean, Marvinus it is Narvin. tends to be the only decent boss on Gallifrey, so I'm guessing he didn't. Uh, you are right. I, you know what? Yeah, I think one month that was shooting very low, so probably several months. But even so, we were just talking about it um, in our either, well, either one or two episodes ago, we were talking about that time's been there. And I just mm. wanted to yeah. do this as a little follow-up. Now we've got some, some <laughs> information. I was just going to say... Um... Only like a couple of weeks being too soon to start telling Mila that he's for sure dead. Romana was missing for twenty years, and people was was still like look at thinking yeah. that she wasn't dead. There you go. In fairness, Romana is the president. Was. And she was well, off planet. She she, she wasn't yeah. then. They had a they had a replacement, but yeah, slightly more important. She was off planet, also. More mysterious. <laughs> Yeah, no, if we want to do the clap now, I'm totally good for that. Wait, I, I, I haven't got time to is up yet. Okay, I mean, so. it's still ten, right, ten, on, on the yeah, minute. Yeah, on the minute. Yep, I'm ready. International Day of the Girl Child. Yeah. What? It's ominous. <laughs> it sounded okay. The girl ish. child is coming to get us. Yeah. <laughs> is mean, it Pandora? I was going to say... In in Romana One's body. <laughs> yeah, so um listeners, we were struck by every possible technical issue while recording. Uh so it is now another day. I think Jane is the only one who wasn't who, whose laptop wasn't possessed by Pandora yesterday. Uh, uh, I think Chris Chris may have also been saved. The two of us who work in tech-related uh, fields. Uh, it's true. Uh, Chris had some problems after okay, you no. dropped off the no, call. My, my, internet, my internet failed. So, so four out of five of us. Even Pandora won't come into America right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, um, we just wanted to let you know if... Uh, if we sound different, it is because we've had sleep. We've had sleep. Uh, some of us have just woken up. Others of us have just gotten home. That would be why. So I've had to hold off on a whole entire another night of not talking about that scene between Brax and Romana. <laughs> I know. Are we talking about wretched and obsequious? Oh. Such We're talking about that and more. That and more. Oh, are we talking about the first... The first scene? Specifically because, the first scene, for me. Because the first um, scene has has the line, I'll be even more angry with you in my next regeneration, and my note says... <laughs> no, no, not that one. Um, Braxton Romana 2. Not, oh, not, so that's Wretched and Obsequious. That's Wretched and Obsequious, but yeah. Braxton Romana 1, my note says, what, the one that looks exactly like this one? <laughs> yeah. So that scene um after Brax sort of appoints himself Chancellor 
and Romana's like, excuse me? No, we've been through this, you are not doing it, um, because everybody will think that I'm being a bit of a despot and nepotism and all that kind of thing. How many times have we discussed this, let's not fight over it, and they just kind of, it's such a good marker of where they're at in their relationship, they're so like chilled out and relaxed with each other and even when they're arguing about something it's like Romana is open with him in a way that she's not really with anyone else not even with Leela for a lot of the time um you know like all of her barriers are down even if she's insisting that she doesn't have friends and all of that kind of like you know step aside Sherlock Romana did it first and then when she brings up the school thing the academy thing and he completely shuts down that isn't funny, you shouldn't say it. That's the moment that he knows everything is about to change and everything is about to go out the window. And it breaks me every single time because Brax knows, right? He doesn't know maybe the specifics, but he knows that as soon as this this Pandora thing comes up, that's it. And then he just like stands there making those stupid noises. <laughs> and like, I know. These <laughs> little like awkward stop it, you're putting me on the spot and pinning me and I don't like it noises and she's winding him up something rotten. Um, but yeah, when, when she's point, listing his crimes. Yes, when that point, from that point onwards in the conversation, he knows everything is about to change, and he knows that he has to leave her to go down to the catacombs, even knowing that that's what's going to happen, and it kills me. And then were I to lose you, I would be disappointed. And you know that he knows. You know. Yeah. Oh. Um, and I think like unre-listens that line the were I to lose you um, I would be very well the, the full I have to read the full one because she she tells him never forget that whatever happens you are appreciated highly regarded and were I to lose you I would be very disappointed oh it kills me first of all Romana just tell your friends that they're your friends <laughs> like just yeah but also that is like the closest she ever comes to actually like Telling someone that she can't... I mean, she has a few moments with Leela as well, where she calls her friend. But this one is on par with it, right? Like, mm. which just shows how, again, like, how they just trust each other. But they, they have that sort of relationship. And, yeah, the moment she says that on re-listens, you're like, it was right there. Like, after she said that, of course he had to... He, he couldn't stay, like, no. in the story. He had to be written out because it was it was foreshadowed right there. This is the first episode where she really gets into all of that I can't have friends, I'm the president business. Yeah. Right? Like, in season one, she's not like that so much. And is it because she's suddenly had to do without Leela for a bit and is missing her? Or, or right, what has brought about that change in-universe is my question. I think probably Narvin being dragged away from her and towards Darkle and probably sort of Darkle's, you know, Darkle's opposition becoming much more of a, of a real threat. You know, I, th I think she's sort of coasting along a bit, you know, without any sort of real opposition in, in season one. And then you get to, you sort of get the impression that something is changing, you know, the political, that exchange between Darwin and Darkle sort of suggests that the political landscape is changing. She's now much more conscious of the need to have associates rather than friends. And, and the line, which is really towards the audience, where she laments, I'm not allowed friends. I know, is, oh, is, it kills it's me. It's heartbreaking. And it's a real, when you think about uh, travels with the doctor and if we are to believe what is said by Romana One, you know, that she didn't have real friends at the Academy, probably the Doctor is the first time she ever had a real friend. Go off, Scar. 
So to come back to Gallifrey and then have to give that up again must be a real wrench for her. I think what you were saying about the political landscape changing is probably very much a product of her academy reform. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just that, you know, out of universe, this is a new season, so they're taking it in another direction. But, I mean, in, in universe, I think, you know, they've been talking about, like, how, you know, she's changed the oldest laws and... It seems to be something that's very polarizing. A lot of the information that we get on this, we get from Narvin. It's not something that we, we get it from a character, so it could be biased information. But I do think that, you know, what we are getting is something that we can believe here is that, you know, like either you have you have him on the one side who is very, very much against it. And on the other side, you have the High Council who apparently are all for her reforms and I'm imagining that it would be equally polarizing for everyone and Pandora has infected Jane again. Oh no. I've I've cured you, Jane. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know what's happening. We we went and said I hadn't had any technical problems. <laughs> Why did we do that? And now Jane is just being muted on the server for some reason. Again Mr. Narvin is just staring at me like why are you going into these human hysterics? Well, that's a point, actually, which we didn't... I don't think we did it in the last episode. We didn't actually have the discussion of what's the most histrionic line. That's true, because that's I think true. we've sort of gotten past the histrionic lines. Yeah, anyway, that scene between Brex and Romana, I love it. Um, amazing. I just... I love their relationship, and I think this is the one scene that shows... that really shows it sort of at its best and then everything goes downhill yeah garbage man the theme of seasons two and three yeah. it's all downhill <laughs> yeah. from here yeah if, if you're one of those people who is for some reason god knows why listening along or listening to the podcast and not the audio drama series first which you should go do because like we're gonna talk some big spoilers first please please go and listen to the series first this is the point at which this is the high point you know up until now everything's been going swimmingly really and it's not going to continue to do so on the Leela and Ramona topic the I just assumed it was evil thing where, like... <laughs> yes also um there's the uh oh she has a line about to canine she will consider this a good plan let's see I wrote it down I take too many notes, and then I can't find the ones I want. I I think the line goes, uh, Leela is speaking to K-9 about how she's sort of stalling and, and getting Pandora to reveal her plan. Yes. And she tells K-9, I have learned that Romana will think this is a good plan. That's oh, correct, yeah. and I have it written down specifically how clearly you can hear the capital letters in yeah. a good plan. Like, it's delightful. Sorry, go ahead, Finn. I have forgotten where I was going with it, but it's totally fine. Because I've just found another note, which is Brax's speech. You know, his big, like, I am the Chancellor. Yes. I would like to know how many times he, have gi he has given this speech. This incredibly corny, atrocious speech. <laughs> on the collection already. <laughs> how many times? Because you cannot tell me this is not exactly the same one he would have given at the collection and Andella. I just love the, the very unenthusiastic applause. I know. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, if that was my school's chancellor, I'd be sat there like, oh, Jesus. It is. It's so cheesy. It's, 
the, the cheese man. The note I have for that says he manages to make any position he occupies one of the grandest natures through his monologues. <laughs> so, like, even if even if he was like, you know, even if he was the guy who swept the Panopticon at night in a care in a brown caretaker's coat with a broom, that would be the most important position in Time Lord society, and he would make it so through a grand monologue to an empty panopticon because that's <laughs> what he's like. Okay, well, because I am a sucker for Brax's monologues, I would listen to that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> as, as and in Brax's... fact, we all of us have done many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. As has been said by people who are not us even, I would listen to Miles Richardson read the phone book. So that exchange, you know, there's so, in the Wretched and Obsequious exchange, there's just so many bits of Pete Miles in that. But one of my favourites is um, where he, he thinks Roman is joking about winter. His laughter is just <laughs> wonderful, you know. I almost expect it, he doesn't say it, but I almost expect him to end that sentence with, oh, very droll. You know, because that's what it is. It's like, it's wonderful. Speaking of winter, can we talk about our darling Castellan boy? Because A, we only get a couple episodes of him, spoilers, and yet he's so clearly an important character. Like, Mm. every Gallifrey fan knows winter and cares about winter in a way that I don't think I care about, say, Livia, having had many more episodes of Livia than we ever get of winter. Mm Mm-hmm. He's just such a darling. And particularly, I took notes on that first scene, on the continuing theme of, Romana, you're such a rubbish boss, right? (laughs) Like, all he does is be like, hey, Madam President, what are you doing down here? She goes all, do I not hold the rod of Rassilon on him? Like, come on! He's just out of the academy. You hired him. (laughs) Like, he's still learning the gig. And this is your response? Let the poor child breathe. A point about that part of the conversation? The way that Windsor is answering those questions, it sounds so much like he's a student just answering, like, a quiz from a teacher. And I love him. (laughs) He is such a dear. Save this child. He's also easily led and not very bright. I think one of the reasons that he is such a beloved character is that he is also he is a very strong character like from the get-go you know quite a lot about him he you, you can very obviously tell you know his ideals his morals his character traits from the very few episodes that we get with him in i, I think in general no actually i'm gonna save that thing for when we talk <laughs> about insurgency because yeah. i have some things to say there but also he's such a different character type right We've got a million schemy politicians in this show, and we love them. But Winter is not that at all. He's uncorrupted, and, isn't he? He's uncorrupted. And we get so few of those. So far. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, the only other character we, we before before we had Winter that wasn't, like, a, a proper part of all of this, like, political scheming was Leela. But Winter is not a part of it in a very different way than Leela is, and... And we never really get a character like Winter after. We don't really get a Winter replacement. Yeah. Um, Lucas to a degree, but I, I'm, I'm Lucas gonna is Winter him. light. Go for it. I, th- I think 
Emma's is also in that area to begin with, but then he sort of develops into something else, which is why he's my favourite member of the Chantry. Just neither of them really get kept around. I think Lucas actually has more time. That's true of Winter too, though, right? I think yeah. Lucas might actually have more screen time than Winter does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Lucas is both in season six and season five and Intervention Earth. Yeah. But here's an interesting question. How, how po- like, if if Windsor had just, like, drifted off and, and not really, and, and had just been, like, abandoned as a character, like, you could say of Anos, probably he wouldn't have had the same, you know, fame in the fandom, like... Probably because he wouldn't his, have had terrible end, things happen his to him His end, I think, way. although probably we should talk about this in the episode, actually happens, but, you know, I think that, that, that something so terrible happens to the, you know, most cinnamon roll character. That has to be part of why everyone knows him. True. Yeah, it's, it's because of that loss of innocence and the, the tragedy of that, which is why it's such a compelling story. Yeah. But also, a thing I wanted to note about, you know, we were talking about Leela and Winter being sort of outside the political thing. Leela has that one line where she is she's telling um she's talking to K9 who's just said something and she tells him you talk like one of them like Brexitel or Winter or Narvin <laughs> these are like for Leela and based upon like these are very different spectrums Leela <laughs> I mean I know that at this point she would not know Winter well I just I find it very strange that Winter is on this list and also that Brex is because up until this point, we've actually seen her trusting Brex mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Leela can read Brex very well, and I think she knows from the moment she meets him that he is up to something. But at the same time, like there seems to be some, some trust there, and grooming him with Narvin seems very strange to me. Okay, but also... Andred says a thing about Winter that blows my mind. So maybe Leela gets this impression of Winter from Andred somehow, right? Andred says, Tarn Winter is amount of the Arcalian chapter, working his way up all these years, stabbing everyone in the back who'd get in his way. Whomst are you speaking of? What? Our boy? It's... He literally graduated from the academy three months ago. Right? Like, how many backs can you stab in three months? <laughs> and, like, it's also said that he hasn't been cha- training with the Chancellery before this. Like, it's not like he was on a training program with the Chancellery while he was in school. What is Andred talking about? Is Winter actually just a Tory who's been to Oxbridge and Eton? Is this it? <laughs> Oh, yes, like, <laughs> I think he definitely has to have connections to yeah. have gotten this job, for sure. Yeah, to have gotten on Romana's yeah. radar at all. Yeah, like, he's a useful fall guy, is what he is for a lot of it, um, and he's too much of a nez to actually stand up for anything, so once Romana tells him, do something, that's it, and he's too grateful to her for giving him the position that he's got to say anything until, you know... He's swayed in certain directions about things. I mean, I, I do agree with what you're saying, but I don't. I think Romana wanted someone young as part of her sort of bringing new life to Gallifrey and the government. I don't think that she thought of it as, you know, favouring people of noble descent. 
I think that's what she was doing. I think it was an unconscious bias. Mm. But I think it was very much her thinking, I'm going to pick someone smart who is young, who is rising star. And she picked Winter and was probably, I think she was, I think she liked him because he has that sort of gratefulness to her. I think Romana very much, in, like she likes being told that she's right, that she's doing the right things. And Winter tells her that, so she likes him. But I don't think she like consciously chose someone like that. I think it was an unconscious bias that comes from Romana, also being nobility. Yeah, why do we like her so much? Sorry? Why do we like her so much, Romana? <laughs> she's great. She's terrible, I mean, she's but a, she's great. She's a great character. This is a, a very good character flaw to have. It's, it's, it's well written. And it's, she's yeah. such a tyrant. Like... So early on, and how do we not see that? Like, that is worrisome. Nothing was right. Did, Scar, did you just say I sound like Trey? Yes. (laughs) Oh, shocker. Everyone is astonished. (laughs) But, I mean, it's just, I think that's part of why, you know, Romana's story is so interesting, is that it's always, like, from the very beginning... That sort of the seed that blossoms into her going full dictator, it's always there. And we just see it sort of building slowly and her like justifying these things and you know, she yeah. It's it's there as early as the apocalypse element. And and yeah, I think on re listening you 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 do question like how you didn't see it in the, the first listen and, and I guess everyone would have a different degree to what, which, how they experienced it but I know it's a common thing to uh, just naturally agree with Romana in the, your first experience of it because she's the protagonist and, and that's generally what you do, the, the hero is right but then coming back to it yeah, you have that thing of how did how did we uh... not see it? When she's saying things to Andred in this ep, like, My associates who help me administer Gallifrey and this cosmos in any way we see fit. Mm -hmm. Wow, Romana. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Especially considering um, the political climate of 2020 is very different to the political climate of uh, 2002 or whenever it was this was released. I think this will be 2005 at this point. The the mid-aughts, anyway. Yes. Yes. Early to mid-aughts. And, yeah, did Romana cause the political climate of the world today? (laughs) April April 2005, lies. It it was a more innocent time. Also, very small winter note, and just, yeah, can we talk about Time Lord names? Because there is, (laughs) no one can agree on whether Winter's full name is Han Wisteramount or Hung with the amount. Um, also, did anyone catch that Romana's full name was said a bit different this time? I saw yes. that Sean, yes. you mean Sean Miles said it, Lan- it Landa instead of Lunda. Uh, Breck says it in a very unusual way. <laughs> <laughs> he says Romana Voret Dre Lunda. Yeah. No, he says it with only eight syllables. Romana Voretra Lunda. Yeah, but he I've... doesn't say the D and the he doesn't say. Trey, he said dr, like D R, and then either an E or an A. So the and question... I think we all know that's just Miles. That's yeah, just Miles. Right. That's just Miles going. Oh God, I've got to say, I've got to call this out like several times, times, and the only way I'm going to get through it is to say it like this, because yeah. if I have to actually pronounce the D in the middle, I'm going to stumble. The best of us stumble with with that. 
Um, but to Dewey? me, breaking it up into thirds makes Grimada's it easier. Grimada's got a pretty easy name yeah. for a time Yeah, yet. like... If you can break it up into thirds, Romana, Devora, Trelunder, like none of those thirds are It's difficult. better than Duck Electroquista Hastridge, like that's a nine. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, that one but, took yeah, some I practice. Think, I think Sean also did it with like, I, I swear he said Romana Ratrolanda. I, th- I think just in this early on, they weren't, uh, uh, you know, they weren't keeping consistent with pronunciations with names always. I mean, we know that from uh, Matthias. I was about to, well, and Matthias's <laughs> Matthias's full form name too, like Matthias of Yandron, maybe. Like, I have does it no have an of in it? Is yeah. is it Matthias of Yandron, or like what is Matthias's full name? I think there was at one point where they also called him like Matthias Oviendra or something like that. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. Big finish. Please release the script book so we can stop arguing yes. over how to spell characters' names. I will die on the hill if Trey has no Y in it. I know this is not the correct <laughs> spelling, but I don't care. So There's the no one like. Romana Devoratralunder has half the alphabet in it, but it does not have a Y. (laughs) The way I differentiate it is when I'm talking about Matrix Tray, your Matrix Tray, I'll write it without the Y. And if I'm talking about Canon Matrix Tray that we see on the show, I'll write the Y. So that way I'm like, right, Jane's Tray without a Y, Canon Tray with an I. I like that my Tray has become her own character. I mean... (laughs) I think you just you took the character and you you did a lot of interesting things with her that then well thank you intervention earth came in and okay but it, i will die on the also I know, on the hill yeah and but i'm not she like... never romana three never calls herself trey because she doesn't need to because she is romana like matrix trey uses that name to differentiate herself from, from flesh romana. romanas yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Flesh No. Flesh I am going to delete this whole bit. I'm going to delete it. Okay, Flesh mortal, Romana. mortal Romanas. <laughs> what? At loomed Pr- Romanas? I don't Prime, know, man. Prime Romana? Real no. Romana? Trey is <laughs> the best one. Anything. And they have been created before. Other Anything Romana. other than Flesh Romana, please. <laughs> please stop saying those words. Flesh Romana. No, no, that was please stop. President Romana, how about that? <laughs> okay, that's that's bearable. That's okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> There's a poll for you listeners. Watch more cursed, Darwin no. or Flesh Romana. <laughs> I, I still want Narkel. <laughs> I know, Narkel sounds better. Narkel's, but... yeah. Narkel's cute. Yeah. No, it's really, uh, really not. <laughs> Isn't that the thing of, besides the name of their Harry Potter things? Hmm? Is that that what they're called in English? Measles, maybe. The things that, that Luna sees with her special glasses. Oh God, uh, Nargles. That's got a G in it. Oh, okay. They're Nargla in, right. in Danish. Yeah. No, it's Nargles with a G. Anyway. I mean, if we're gonna ship with Darkle, though. No. She does she does have a moment in this episode of Romana. She does have a certain way about her. Yeah. <laughs> Can we not go like, down this Darkle road? Darkle doesn't 
I'm not saying I ship it. I'm just saying Please everybody's don't. a little gay for Romana, and that includes the antagonist. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that one. I think we allow Remarkle. that. No, no. Darumana? Remarkle sounds better. Darumaka is a Pokemon. We could have that one. That's uh, just your, your five times thick that had Darumana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, in a very mild, just Darkle's a little bit attracted and she hates it kind of way. Anyway, um... yeah, let's let's back away from this cursed corner. <laughs> Did we have any more things to talk about, or should we start talking about spirits? We should do the the round robin thing. Okay, I have one big thing, so can I go last? Because then you can sort of. Um... So I mean, mine is just frivolous. Mine too. So I, I can just rattle through them. The first one being Narvin's view of the CIA is basically they are Gallifrey and Polyfiller. So they, they, they smooth over the cracks. K9, when he's told to be quiet by Leela, gets a little <laughs> noise, which just sort of adds to the catalogue of... Yes. You are remarkably good at making K9 noises. Yes! Uh, uh, the whole uh, not cantor and uh, the archivist um, <laughs> talking about effectively the Gallifreyan equivalent of oh god I've only just finished transferring everything from vinyl to cassette <laughs> to CD <laughs> to these little strips which are basically memory sticks so yeah that was just yeah that was just the magnetic tape comment was good he sounds like yeah I, I actually noted he sounds like my grand t- so my grand used to be she's um she's retired now but she used to be a legal secretary um and it sounded like the way that she used to talk about the job change well still talks about the job changing um because like when she started it was like really like all these different skill sets and like really interested in having to like hand bind legal documents and everything like that um and when she finished it was like a you do this one little tiny bit of this one little job so she loved the job when she started and when she finally retired she hated it because it was boring but like the constant changing of technologies and everything she talks about that a lot i mean i, I mean i could sort of bang on about it's sort of been in being an it professional for 21 years this year and so yeah i could bang on about really old storage technologies like the ls120 super drive which basically was 120 megabytes just you know that was a fantastic amount of storage on what effectively looked like a floppy disk at the time. Yeah, I mean, he basically brings up microfiche, doesn't? He? Yeah, yeah, and 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 look, you still get stuff on fiche, you know, if you go to the library. Less and less these days. Um, so yeah, so that was just the writers having a lot of fun with that, and and I like, I I really enjoyed that. I think this is the first time we hear. Is this the first time we hear the House of Heartsaven referred to explicitly? I think she Isn't brings it, from, it up in from um... TV. Who is it though? Doesn't she bring it up in the inquiry when she, you know, she when she like reels off all of her names and titles? So. Titles, does she not? No, I think it's the first time in Gallifrey that we hear it. Yeah, because she just talks about her titles as president. She doesn't mention any of the house stuff. No. Mm. So yeah, so that's the first. I think. Why does she mention Heartshaven in this one? Uh, no, Pandora. Uh, oh. Uh, says it just before you know when she's. When when Pandora addresses Romana for the first time, yeah, and Romana's hello, <laughs> you know, and it is great acting from Lala, which because it's very much I've completely dismissed this up to now, and now this thing is talking to me directly, and it's like 
I've just had my preconceptions challenged, but I'm prepared to. It's here, so I'm gonna deal with it. So. I just assumed it was evil. <laughs> yeah. She has so like Romana in that scene. She's very like I think you can tell she's very happy to see Leela. Um, mm. A few like I noted a few things about her language. She has that one, and then at one point she's also asked like, "Do you remember this?" And she's like, "Nope." Like, <laughs> she says the word "nope." I read to it a few times because I was like, "Is she saying yes? She is." Um, <laughs> and it's just it's great. She she seems really happy, and she also keeps being like, "Leela is allowed to speak. Let her speak." Yeah. And I love her. Well, it's the difference between Romana being a politician and Romana's on an adventure as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's not President Romana down there. It's probably the first time she's gotten to be anything other than Romana the President in, well, a few, seven Since weeks. We yeah. yeah, because yeah. Leela's buggered off. Mm. Mm-hmm. So she's probably very happy to get that little break where she can just be herself and. And be herself around Leela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And two final Leela things. One, I have met Rassilon, he was not a man of honour. <laughs> you think? Yeah. So yeah, that that one. And uh, and the last one, when when Leela discovers Andred is loose and on the run, what she says is basically, let me get my knife and join the hunt. That's what she yeah. says. Because basically, you know, so that's really... I'm going to find him and I'm going to kill him. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to find him and I'm going to kill him. Even more than... It just reinforces the whole, his soul has changed. You know, it really hammers home the point that, as far as Leela is concerned, even though there is a man walking around Gallifrey, he is not her husband. So really then, what she's saying is, hey, Romana... Hey Romana, this man, I want him dead. <laughs> just, just a casual observation that leads to nothing at all. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I can't remember if I said this, but a thing that interested. Sorry, I keep having more things to say. Um, That's good. A thing that interested me is when when Romana and Endred are talking. Endred is like, "Let me go off planet, and I'll give you the information you want." And I am kind of interested in an AU where that happened, where she traded mm. Endrit's freedom for information and free time. Because it's just one of those, you know, how would it have happened differently? And mm-hmm. it's, it's just an interesting thing to think about. It is. And you should write it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a few things on my plate right now, but uh, I'm putting it out there for the listeners. And the last one is... There's not many things I agree with Andrew on, but I do agree that open plan officers are evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta agree on that one. So my quote-unquote big thing, which is only really one thing, the Narvin and Brax scene, the are you sure Narvin is innocent one, where he's getting arrested and Brax saves him from being arrested, uh, which would have been very convenient for Brax, right? It would have been. And he doesn't do it. He, like, takes him out of the equation. And, and Brax is like, don't tell anyone. No, really. And then he, he layers it in, like, the, oh, I couldn't bear the shame. And you're like, that's not why he's doing it. But to me, it's the, I wouldn't hesitate to end you, but in the right time for the right reasons thing. It's that, but the first time round. And just their relationship, their interactions are so good. I mean, right from the first scene of the first episode, right? They're really, really good. Just... 
the notes that they hit in that scene it's just i don't know it's just a lot more complicated it's a lot more complex than it could have been in terms of like these are two colleagues on different sides of like a political divide and they hate each other like it that's kind of true but also there's more to it than that it's just very good while they do hate each other they also respect each other yes i have a list of little things if we're good with that yeah yeah no i just wanted to it's big in my head because it was like a big thing to me it's not actually like a big long thing i wanted to talk about probably should have specified that earlier speaking of narvin i love that when ramana says i get more grief from narvin in a day than you've ever caused me to andred that that's a compliment like to narvin it's a delight similarly right around that same time Regular contact with alternative K-9 unit proves advantageous. Bless. Okay, nine. That conversation between Narvin and Winter. Narvin and Winter is a dynamic I love so mm. much. And I shouldn't love it because Narvin is such a bully to Winter. But then you get moments like, um, Strange as it may seem, we are on the same side. We wish to protect and serve, am I correct? The boy. The boys. Oh. Yeah. It's very, very good. But then also the end of that scene, when Winter has already left, and Narvin is just muttering to himself, then you're a fool, Winter. Just Narvin talking to himself and grumbling to himself, because nobody else will listen. Yeah, Narvin's scuttering. Like, like I could listen for hours. Um, Mm -hmm. It's very funny to me. And then, more Narvin, talking to Andred this time. You are useless to me, to Winter, and the President. I miss the days when he could be that much of an unfettered asshole. Like, he's <laughs> just such a jerk, and it's great. I mean, the um, thing is, he knows he's being an ass. I've said right? this before, but, like, when Narvin is being a jerk, he knows he's being a jerk. Like, he's oh, not, yes. like, it's not, like, casual. Like, I was talking yesterday about, sort of, like, you know the, the sort of the casual racism thing and everything he's not like that when he's being an ass to people he's doing it because he wants to be an ass um well and because he thing, but it's a thing right he he chooses people who he's trying to bring down a peg mm. right he punches yeah. up um mostly mostly and i think the best example of that is a scene we talked about last season when he's telling leela what happened to andred and mm. he's so goes out of his way to not be an asshole in this situation where he could, right? He could be really ruthless with her there, and instead he makes a very clear effort to be kind to her. I think that's the best example of the dichotomy of Narves. So about that disguised Matrix door plan of Pandora's, which totally doesn't stick with Romana in any way, (laughs) and has nothing at all to do with anybody whom, you know, I think of far too much, um yeah yeah i just think it's really interesting that we see that come back and that this encounter has stuck in ramana's mind clearly i mean even pandora gets um ticked off in this thing by the like the whole the matrix can be partitioned yeah like well done for giving her that one guys well done round of applause congratulations (laughs) and it so it makes me also question the presumably now alternate Romana 3, who went back and made Trey in the first place, mm. right? The future Romana 3, who may or may Spoilers. not be the same one for my E, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but um no is it enemy i always get ie and enemy lines confused it's, it's, uh, enemy lines is done with the morals okay um does like what's going on in her timeline right is she maybe having another encounter with pandora like is that why all of this is fresh in her mind um right it's interesting to think about where that romana could be in her life and her timeline to make her come up with this plan of i will go back i will duplicate myself in the matrix a very pandora thing to do um i will make this plan of this alternate matrix door to lure people in like i will do this as part of this ruthless plan to defeat my enemies is that Romana a Romana who still has Pandora in her head? Void really wants to say something. Well, this is kind of my point that I wanted to make. So I think I have a... Can I like, sort of use this to oh, lead yeah, into yeah. that? Because it's, Go for it. It's the same... It's on the same kind of topic. Um, let me get my notes out, because as a bit of a preamble, I was... We were talking about Pandora a few episodes ago, having been dispersed. She was oubliated. Um, and we were talking about how in that case, why Pandora is remembered, right? I mean, there is information on her, and we have seen in Neverland that people who are oubliated are completely forgotten. So why wasn't Pandora? And we we know that the, the way that it's I started thinking about it same. is that she was only half oubliated. I think it deleted some of her but we know that there are records of her existence because the archivist is saying that well she was erased but there are second-hand accounts and we also know that there is a myth that her screams could be heard for days in the area around where she was dispersed which again suggests if, if she had never existed why would there be screams so i'm thinking something went wrong there and Romana says that the Matrix remembers Pandora, which the Matrix wouldn't do if she had been dispersed. And I was kind of just pondering this. And I'll, I'm not saying I believe this, but I, I just I, come play in the space with me here. Play with me. We will play with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of thinking maybe Pandora was tethered to the Matrix in some way. And I was like... This is interesting. What other character can I think of who's got a connection to Romana who is tethered to the Matrix? And suddenly I was like, have I just made some sort of Pandora is some sort of future Trey headcanon? And right, okay, so I'm, I'm not looking at you, so I don't know if I've completely lost you here, but again, I don't believe it, but I'm just thinking about... We know... Pandora was not a nice person. But here's what we also know. We've seen Romana 2 be quite tyrannical. We've seen Romana 3, who is, well, she is not, she, she's quite cynical when we see her in Intervention Earth. And we know that there's War Queen, War Queen Romana, who I will admit I don't know that much about, um, but she is also quite extreme in some of her actions. And suddenly I was like, can you imagine a Romana who, well, we can imagine a Romana who has been stuck in the Matrix for a very long time, but I just started being like, if, if Trey had been left there even longer for 
Like, we know she was there for like 10,000 years, but what if she had been left there for like 100,000 years? If that hatred towards Romana started sort of growing, and if at some point she like found a way to sort of go back in time via the Matrix, I could kind of, maybe, I could kind of see her doing some of these things. Because, I mean, there are all these parallels between Pandora and Romana, and I don't know where to go with this thought. I just kind of, like, as I was writing these things out about, you know, Pandora and her link to the Matrix, I started having that thought, and I wanted to mention it. I don't know that I can go with full-on... I love the idea of there being some connection. Yeah. I don't know if I can go with full-on Trey going back and being Pandora. Just because Pandora doesn't seem to have the same control over the Matrix that Trey does, right? Like, That's fair. Yeah. I mean... Especially with the whole partitions, you can partition yes. the Matrix. In, that's fair. I kind of, like, I knew it. The, the reason I wasn't, like... In my head, this would not be your Trey. This would be... <laughs> this would just be a Trey. Like, again, you took the canon character and you developed her, developed her because she wasn't that developed in the show. And you made a very good character out of her. So I'm more talking about the the underdeveloped character. Not underdeveloped, but the less developed character that we see on sure. screen. And in our 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 ear screens. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, th those are good arguments. I was just thinking about it. like No, it's really cool. That that could be a thing. <laughs> because, you know, like, I, I could see her, you know, like, she got... She goes back and she gets like her own Gallifrey and she picks up sort of a companion in this possibly Killoran bodyguard and she tries to do away with all of resilient things because she's a Romana and you know she wants to do that but also at the same time doesn't like Romana too and I could kind of see her being like I want to be the star of the show fuck you future Romana I'm getting the most progressive president ever and then Things no, it's a really, yeah. Got bad. I mean, she would also then have to create her own self because Pandora messes with the Heart's Haven bloodline and all that. Um, right. Yeah, but, I mean... Uh, what I was going to say, unless anyone has anything else to say on that topic, I was going to use that to say a slightly different thing about Pandora. I don't really have a concrete thing to say about this, but I thought it was interesting how... Um, they brought up the Pandora's box connection here, um, and the uh, the archivist um, explicitly thought it was important to say the thing about the first female president, like the first female president being Pandora and being evil thing. And yeah, that kind of calls into question in in Gallifrey the audio series. Are they working under the assumption that Gallifrey, as a culture, also has misogyny or that it doesn't because like on one hand Romana never like faces any of the kind of female president sexism that she would if she was president of Earth like everyone everyone respects her and, and when people don't respect her it's to do with her views and not the fact that, that she's not a man but then specifically Pandora being the first female president we don't we don't get any kind of sense of when exactly it was other than a long time ago, I don't think. But I think, I mean, they probably would have mentioned if it, if, if Pandora's reign had taken place in like the dark times, um, like, you know, the, the very, the, the very ancient Rassilon era. So 
presumably there have been a fair few presidents before um, Gallifrey got a president identified as female, which, yeah, just if Gallifreyan culture has no sexism, why would it be like, why would it be this kind of thing that the archivist feels important enough to, um, to mention kind of thing? I think Sorry, an... I... Yeah, go ahead. I really disagree with that. The way Pandora talks about Rassilon sounds as if she knows him personally. Mm. I've always assumed she was the next president yeah. after Rassilon. Oh, she's a very near contemporary. If yeah. That, you know, you know e even if Rassilon has gone to the Dark Tower, it's, it's, it's not very long in the past. You know, the, the reforms that, so-called reforms, the things that Pandora is, is alleged to sort of be trying to tear down when the archivist is talking just feels very you know quite contemporary to pandora's time in in Terrasalon. i i do want to say a few things about romana and sexism because i i i do want to argue that we do actually see her face at least some uh because we from the previous season we have a few examples of people using sexist slurs about her specifically we see hozak do it hozak is a time lord so we do see someone who is a fellow Gallifreyan treat her, and at the very least, use slurs about her. True. And to that point, we see Romana being facing opposition uh, for being progressive, but we haven't seen another progressive Gallifreyan precedent, and we specifically haven't seen one who is male. So we can't really say how much of that opposition is specifically because she's progressive and how much would potentially be because she's female. Or... That's fair. I still have not re-listened to Square One, so I can't remember <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, it's a good point. I'm just, you know, trying to say that we can't be entirely sure because we haven't... There are other factors here. <laughs> just from a purely out-of-universe perspective, the the fact that they, the first female president being evil thing kind of made me think of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> I mean, Fair. same. And it wasn't that much longer after, right? Like, Margaret Thatcher's a long time ago for us now, but... It, it, this was early thousands so yeah um, well you know assuming that i mean this was released april 2005 assuming we wrote 2004 yeah 13 years ish yeah you know but i just yeah. wanted to very quickly say flavia we also know is a thing um and anyway go on jane i think we have to bring up the pythia here right the fact that time lords were created to take over the planet from an all-female species like, they've yep. sort of got that foundational, baked in, this thing that we are not is, an, is a matriarchy. Yeah. So, yeah. That's fair. Which, again, is, you know, down to humans wrote this in, what, the 70s, yeah. but still. There was actually a mention of Flavia in this episode that I wrote down, because anything mm -hmm. to do with how Romana actually became president and the gap between um, E-Space and the Apocalypse element always, you know, interests me, the <laughs> Romana nerd. Um, and she said, I was asked to become president after the coup that broke, or, you know, something, Flavia's auspicious reign. Disastrous so... reign, isn't it? Yeah. We all... Is it disastrous yes. or is it inauspicious? I can't remember. Uh, no, the inauspicious one is... Uh, yeah, uh, we also get one about who was president before Flavia because Brex has a line where he's saying, "Since something quelled your predecessors' predecessors, less than less than Stella's stewardship." 
which is a very good line. And it, it, it it's again one of those like Brex plays with words line. But we also know that the last two precedents have not been doing so well. Yeah, but we also the know one before Flavia was wasn't the one before Flavia technically the Doctor, exactly. or is he talking? Or is he talking well, about the um, the deadliest? Stathing guy who died because he could be talking could be about the either. doctor. Well, that that's that's where my head immediately went. Surely that is the doctor, and he's snarking about his brother. Yeah, but we also get a mention in this episode because I'm also fascinated about how Romana became president. That she did have to run, right? She wasn't just asked and given the presidency because mm. she says to Brax, "That's why you sought me out and helped me with my campaign," right? So she clearly wasn't just handed it. She had to run in some capacity. One would assume here, I, it could possibly be that she was of, like, this is just speculating, but based off the two pieces of information we get here, it could be that maybe she was told, you should run for office. No one else is going to run, but we're just going <laughs> to have an election. Maybe, I don't know if everyone can vote here. We see late evidence of not everyone being able to, so maybe, you know, she was just told. Let's see if people approve of you, because we want you. Why not? Are we done on this episode, then? I mean, I could talk about it for another three hours, yes. but... But, yeah, <laughs> Void has to go very soon. And for the sake of editing, Finn, who already has to cut this down quite a lot. Yeah, so, Gallifrey, spirit. This is probably the gayest episode of Gallifrey. I love it very much. The character dynamics are amazing. Very excited, and, yeah. So say we all. Yeah. Go on, Void. Yes, agreed to that. It's a good episode. It's it's a very Romana and Leela-focused episode. And I know that both Lala and Louise have said this was their favourite to do because they very much get to play around with that dynamic and it's great. Everything that has already been said, um, plus uh, if there's any furniture makers amongst the audience, look away now. <laughs> <laughs> and the introduction of Commander Hallen is just so awful. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just yeah, the the way he, the way he treats the um, Melian, yeah, is just completely horrendous. So yeah, that uh, that I remember. Is it his first strongly. episode? Hasn't he come up Sorry? before? Talon, uh, right? I so, so I went. Is it his first episode? When Chris said that, but I think that's right. I don't remember yeah. him being mentioned. Yeah, Are we I sure? In our yeah. recent re-listen. We could look it up, but yeah. I am going to go look it up, because I, okay. in the back of my head, I'm sure, I'm sure I've heard him recently. And yeah, and just the whole stuff with the isolation tanks, and it, 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 it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great listen. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. So yes, I always also go to the chair through the window scene, but specifically the way they laugh about it afterwards, and how it, like, just that moment is so beautiful. Even if you don't want to get, oh god, they're so gay for each other about it, which of course they are, but no matter how you read their friendship, that moment of pure laughter between the two of them is so good. Especially given the the broken man and everything to do with the darkness of that, yeah, of the rest of the episode. Yeah. Alright, Scar, take us home. Just, yeah, to, uh, I don't want to echo everything that's already been said, but... All of those things, and yeah, it's it's such a a different episode to the like very um like th- this episode felt very big in scale. It felt like you know like an episode of the West Wind Wing really, 
and then with ancient monsters from the dawn of time, you know, like they do in the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, West Wing culture. <laughs> Lovecraft country. Yeah. I mean, I would have watched that season. It would have been better than season seven. <laughs> True. <laughs> yes. Spirit gets a lot more character driven and character focused in a in a really nice way. All of the the drama gets more personal. Um, but it also obviously moves the plot along and has and has the very the, the much darker side to it with the broken man, which I think in previous realisms still comes as a bit of a shock when like the 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 bigger impression you get of spirit is it's like you know it's the one of the happier episodes of season two with all of the the lovely charming stuff between Romana and Leela, but then there's also that that yeah I my previous re-listen i stopped halfway through spirit like that was where i ran out of steam because i didn't want to get to the end <laughs> i just <laughs> wanted to leave it in ramana and leela's fluffy delightful dream vacation that has been all from us this episode we were very delighted to have you Follow us at Pod of Rathlon on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram to be notified as soon as we post new episodes and for outtakes. Romana is the president, and Narvin's loud in his dissent, and Leela has wise things.